Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, what is good, church? Man, it is so good to be with you today. Uh, man, and for all of you who are watching in watch parties all over the city, I mean, we are so pumped that you're getting to be together creatively in unique ways in these crazy days. And uh, for those of you who are from our North Campus and you came to our worship night last week, it was so good to be with so many of you and to get to worship with all all of you again. Um, and man, I just want to thank Pastor Evan and the whole Faith for Life team. They were so amazing to open their doors to us. Uh, and, and honestly, everyone we met from there was just so cool and just have the most amazing hearts. And um, we're going to be having another worship night at our South Campus next week. So as I've said, since we've started these, don't even think about it, right? Just be about it because you're going to want to be there. It's an amazing time to be together. Now, I want to shout out our incredible team for just really stepping up during the pause series. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, not only with Chris and Andrew preaching their guts out, but all the back-end stuff that our creative and communication and connection team did to help us all take steps towards being a people that pause and pray. I know I grew because of it. I'm pretty sure that you did as well. Uh, and if you're jumping in with us and you missed some or all of our pause series, uh, I want to encourage you to go to YouTube, go to our podcast and begin to work your way through it. Because I believe that where we are going over the next few weeks really stands on the foundation that was built in our pause series. Because here's the deal, very simply, a lifestyle of consistent prayer, a lifestyle of pausing what we are doing and leaning into what God is doing is foundational in a life that is becoming more like Jesus. And, and where we're going over the next few weeks in this new series that we're kicking off today that we're calling Tone really comes out of Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. And this is what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are with us right now. Every home, every living room, your presence is there. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're not a God who stands at a distance, but you're a God who draws close. And Lord, we're asking that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds, Lord, that you would allow us to be those who not just hear your word, but become those who begin to do your words in our daily lives. God, we wanna become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, for those of you who know me, um, my life revolves around a very simple phrase. I stole it. I didn't come up with it, but I love it. And it's this, always, only, Jesus. I really believe in the core of who I am that he is what we need. In all and through all, I believe that the Bible and us coming in alignment with what it says and, and what it calls us to has in it the power to heal, to restore, and to move each of us and our society forward. I believe that, that, that the more we understand of who God is, the less we're going to be stressed out and blown up by what we see happening around us. The more we focus on who he is in storms, uh, it's going to begin to take away the fact that we can be overwhelmed by storms because the more peace and hope and freedom that we experience in him, we then will walk in it ourselves. And so that means that around here, you've probably noticed at Antioch, we preach Jesus. We, we preach the gospel. You're not going to hear messages pushing an agenda. You're going to hear messages pushing us to Jesus, and that is never going to change. But I do feel that we're in a unique season where more than ever, a lot of us, if not all of us, if we're honest, are asking the question, how am I supposed to respond to what is happening all around me? And, and, and it feels like daily, there, there's another protest that goes wrong, an, another police shooting that we hear about, more information about what COVID is and what COVID isn't. And, and, and there is just a lot that we can respond to right now. And, and I don't know if you've noticed, but everything it seems to have turned political, meaning that messages are turned into movements. And, and when we say words or phrases, they mean more than the definitions of the words that we have spoken. And, and this is just like adding even more layers to the fight to understand what's happening in culture and the fight to understand, uh, like the fight, excuse me, to be understood in the middle of all that's happening in culture. And, and let me just say it, God bless Mark Zuckerberg, okay? Like in all that he brought to the world with Facebook, okay? Not like what started in 2004 as a a place to connect with friends and post pictures, right, has turned into a minefield of thoughts and opinions. Facebook is a place where we can say to the world what we would never say to someone's face. And truthfully, to be mad at Facebook and other social media outlets for what's happening right now in society is not totally fair, right? All they did was create a place for us to be us. What's happening on Facebook 24 hours a day really is just showing us the tone of the conversation that's happening in our society. It's become normal. All right, it's become normal to have a whole YouTube channel committed to bringing people down who disagree with us. This has become 
normal, where it's like free reign to shame, to cancel, and to absolutely destroy people for having another point of view. And it seems that everything these days starts an argument, right? Like you post a picture of your kids and you can get hit. You post a picture of what you think, or excuse me, you post what you think on an issue for sure you're going to get hit. You post too late about something that happened in the world, you're going to get hit. You post too soon and then more information comes out about what happened in the world and you're going to get hit. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And there's so much in the book of Romans. And Paul addresses a lot throughout this book. And and one of the things that was going on in the middle of the Roman church was they found themselves in a race and culture conflict. Can, Can anyone relate to living in a culture, in a society where there is a race and culture conflict. And and how they were engaging with this debate, Paul leans into in Romans 12. And it says this, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. And then verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and then, you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, now here's the question that I want us to lean into in this series over the next couple of weeks. Is the tone that we're taking towards one another as we are engaging in the issues of the day conforming to the tones of the world or are they reflective of the tones of heaven? Are the tones that we're taking with one another as we're engaging in the conversation of the issues of the day, conforming to the tones of the world, or are they reflective of the tones of heaven? Look, these are important times, and these issues matter. Man, they matter to God, and they should matter to us. But what is happening right now is a lot of shouting and a lot of dividing, And let me just make a delineation very, very clearly for us, because I know that a lot of you who are watching this, you would say, like, I don't believe what you believe. And that's okay. And we're so glad that you are here and we're believing that you you will encounter Jesus for who he is while you are here. But let me just keep it very real. I expect... To hear shouting and name calling and gossip spreading from people who don't call Jesus their savior. They don't say, they do not say that the Bible is the guide for how they live their life. Why wouldn't they shout? Why wouldn't they name call? But for those of us that say that Jesus is our savior, that he's 
changed our lives, that, that he's transformed us from the inside out, why in the world are we sounding just like them? Somehow, for the sake of what's at stake, which I would agree is a lot, there seems to be more of a leaning towards abandoning who we are called to be as followers of Jesus as we are shouting what we are called to believe as followers of Jesus. And let's just listen. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now look, I think this is very simple. This passage at face value is crystal clear. And it's important for us to be reminded that we need to be a people that speak life and not death. Amen. But I would also say that this passage is leaning into how we say what we say, just as much as it's leaning into what we say, meaning that how we say what we say will affect what people hear us say. Let's just do an experiment here, okay? Let's just, let's just have a little fun in your home. If you hear me say, hey, you're here. What's that make you feel, right? It makes you feel welcome. It makes you feel seen. Now listen to this. If I was like, hey, you're here? What's that make you feel, right? That doesn't make you feel welcome. It makes you feel like you're in the wrong place, that you don't belong. I said the same words, different tone. You heard a different Thing. We say more than the words that we say. Same words, different tone. We hear different things. How we say what we say will shape what people hear us say. Can I say that again? How we say what we say will shape what people hear us say. Is the tone that we're taking towards one another conforming to the tones of the world or are they reflective of the tones of heaven? Because what our neighbors, what our coworkers, what our city and our nation hears us say is at stake. And the message that we have been called to carry the truth that we have been called to hold on to, the hope of the forgiveness of Jesus and the peace that comes in knowing him that we've been called to bring into every situation, into everyone that we meet, like into every relationship that we have, it can get lost in the tone of how we're saying it. And if you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to 1 Corinthians 13. And I would venture to say, honestly, that most of you, if not all of you, even if you've never been to church before, have heard this scripture. Because this passage of scripture makes its way into almost every wedding that I have ever been to and every wedding that I have ever performed. And it's the perfect wedding scripture. I love it for weddings. But at the same time, I hate it. Because in our minds, it's kind of become like the wedding Scripture, But I think that there's so much more in 1 Corinthians 13 than just a few verses that are to be read at weddings. They are guides for us to know the power of how we say what 
we say. Verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. Are you seeing this? Talk about saying the right thing in the wrong way only leads to noise. Noise. Not help. Not understanding. Noise. If I speak the language of heaven, if I'm shouting heaven revelation and it doesn't sound like and feel like love, then the only thing that people hear is chaos. Verse two, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries, all the knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Look, hear me, this is huge for us. This is massive for us right now to understand because even if you think you know what needs to be said, even if you think you know what needs to be said, what has to be said, and you have faith to say it, And you believe it. You believe that it's true. But there's no love in the mix. It doesn't matter. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I I might boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy It does not boast. It's not proud. Verse five, it does not dishonor others. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. And it always protects trusts and hopes and perseveres. This is telling us that if who we are is not louder than what we say, there's a good chance that what we say doesn't matter. It's nothing. It's chaos. It just adds to the chaos and the noise. It just sounds like clashing symbols. First Corinthians is telling us that there should be an essence of heaven in what we say. That, that, that it should feel like heaven to people when they hear us speak. Remember Galatians 5, we open with this passage. It tells us that the fruit of a life in God, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that not only affect us, it's not only a reality of what happens to us when we experience God, but it's evidence to everyone around us that we have been with God. 
The, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody around us. It should be felt, it should be experienced by everyone who knows us. Now look, something happened to me in the fall of the year 2005. Now if you know my story, you would know that I found myself living in Seattle, Washington in the fall of 2005. And, and I not only got opened up to an amazing city when I moved there, but I also got opened up to a world of coffee. Now Seattle, the city was made to be experienced by walking around with a hot cup of coffee in your hand. It's cold, it's gray, it's raining. It's like the perfect city for coffee to be just the perfect drink, right? It pups you up, kind of wakes you up a little bit. It's warm, it's awesome. So you end up drinking a lot of coffee. Now I gotta be honest with you, up to that point in my life, if you said, hey, what do you taste in your coffee? I would have answered you confidently, I taste coffee. Right, this whole idea of like a coffee tasting, I didn't even know what happened, but you're in Seattle, this is, the, this is where coffee goes down, and I get invited to a coffee tasting, and I'm sitting around a table with a bunch of people, and they are tasting things within their coffee, and I'm like, are we drinking the same thing? Because I just taste coffee, and you're tasting like rose petals and orange zest, and, you're, and, I'm, and, and what, I'll never forget, somebody was like, I taste dirt. I'm like, do we want to taste dirt? Is this a flavor that we should be craving and, and, and really experiencing in our coffee? But, but I started asking questions like, how in the world are you tasting dirt? And they're like, look, slow down and just, I want you to think about what you're experiencing when you're drinking the coffee. And I'll never forget the first time that I actually drank coffee and tasted dirt. I was like, I got it. I taste dirt. I remember I was like, I taste dirt. I taste dirt. And people around me are like, what is going on with this guy? It was because I experienced what it's like to notice the things that are inside something that I'm consuming. You, you want to hear something pretty crazy about coffee? This, this blows my mind. All right, listen to this fact. Roasted Arabic coffee is one of the most chemically complex beverages out there. And it has thousands of unique chemical compounds that result in many different flavors. Chris Otz is here and he is fired up right now because he is a coffee guy. Now, you're going to love this, Chris. Now listen to this. So, so when you're tasting notes of strawberry or orange or dirt in a coffee, we're either tasting the same or very similar compounds that are in actual strawberries, oranges, or dirt. Now, now there's something else amazing that happens with coffee. It's this thing called cross pollinization, right? This is amazing because fruit-bearing plants are actually affected by the flavors that are growing around them. It, they're affected by the flavors that are in the soil, that are in the air. So if a, a, if a coffee plant is growing next to an orange tree, you're going to taste oranges 
in the coffee because the, the plant is, is, the fruit is taking on the atmosphere that it's been planted in. I want you to think about 1 Corinthians 13 in light of this, that if we speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but we don't have love, then I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. It's telling us that if people encounter us as followers of Jesus, they should taste heaven on us. They, they should taste it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And so when we're speaking, when we're talking to people, when we're, when we're engaged, they should taste it. They should taste heaven on us. So, so if we're conforming to the ways of the world, then it doesn't even matter what we're saying because it, it's not any different, because it doesn't taste different. Just like when you drink coffee and you're tasting things that have influenced it as it was growing. You're, you're tasting what was in the soil. You're tasting what was in the air. You're, you're tasting what was growing around it. The, those, the, those of us who call Jesus our Savior, it's like heaven has, has, has influenced us. The atmosphere of heaven has, has influenced the fruit that is being produced out of our lives. And the fruit of that is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. So is the tone that we're taking towards one another conforming to the tones of the world or reflecting the tones of heaven? Or, or we could say it's, it's, the, it's the, the, the tone or the flavor the flavor of who we are conforming to the flavors of the world or are they reflecting the flavors of heaven? You know, something that I cannot escape when I look at the life of Jesus is that it seems like Jesus had so much room like to, to meet people where they were. Like from, from, from the lowest in society to the highest. It's like, it didn't matter if you were immoral, if you were a prostitute, if you were a thief, if you were poor, if you were rich, it didn't matter. He would sit with you. He would hang out with you. He would tell you about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus had this way of like calling out the sin that was in people, that was killing them and pulling them away from what he had in store for their lives. And at the same time, he would create this place where they felt so loved and believed in and seen by him. But there was one group of people that Jesus seemed to have little space for. And that was the loud religious of the day. They were known as the Pharisees. And here's what you need to know about them. They prided themselves and being right. They prided themselves in being right. And if they saw anything that wasn't right, they took great 
joy in pointing out how they were right and that is or was wrong. You know what? The genesis, the start of the Pharisees was not bad. When the Pharisees became a thing, when it started as a group, it was a group of people that saw that the Jews of the day were losing their way and they wanted to bring clarity back into what it meant to be someone who believed what they believed. But they missed it when they started getting obsessed with what was at stake and they abandoned who they were called to be as they were shouting what they were called to believe. And Jesus in Matthew 6 speaks right into this when he calls them out for doing the right thing in the wrong way. He says this, when you pray, can we all say prayer is a good thing? When we pray, things change. We need to stop. We need to pause what we're doing. We need to lean in to what God is doing. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Speaking of the Pharisees. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue, posting on Facebook. And on the street corners to be seen by others. And Jesus says this, truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full because what they wanted to be seen as right. They weren't in it for transformation. Remember, because it's like, because intercession is not about a transaction. Prayer is about transformation. And Jesus is like, look, if you just want to be heard, if you just want to be right, go for it. That's what you're going for. But look, I'm not here to see a better America. I'm here to see heaven come to earth. I'm, I'm not in it just so that we have a better country. Yeah, I want it. I want what's good for our city. I, I want God because I believe when heaven comes to earth, it's going to be good for everybody. But the goal is not to shout what's right. We could do, we could do, we can say the right thing in the wrong way and it doesn't matter. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. There's a way of the world. There's a pattern of the world. There's a pattern of those who don't call Jesus Lord that haven't been changed by the power of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross. No, no, no. There, there is a way of the world, but there is a way that we follow that doesn't look anything like that way. It doesn't smell like that way. It doesn't taste like that way. It doesn't sound like that way. And when we start to throw aside who we are called to be, as we're standing for what we are called to believe, then we throw away our ability to lead our culture into a new way. We will, we will get our reward in full. Because all we're doing is just adding to the noise. If, if you speak in the tongue of angels, but you don't love, it's a clanging symbol, man. It's just chaos. It's noise. 
you can say the right things in the wrong way and it doesn't help. So are we conforming to the world is our, as we're engaging in these issues of our day? Do we taste like heaven to those who hear us speak? Or we just sound like another yelling, divisive, screaming, clanging, chaotic symbol in the orchestra of chaos and symbols. As we engage in these important conversations of our day, let's make sure that our tone is loving. Let's make sure that when people interact with us, that they're tasting heaven on us, that, that, that when they read the things that we write, that it feels like heaven just invaded where they were. That love just invaded where they were. That, that, that they're like, whoa, there's something different about this. Let's make sure we taste like heaven. Make sure that our tone is not conforming to the tone of the world, which is loud right now. But it's a transformed, it's a new mind. It's a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, a new way of believing. That it tastes like the fruit of the Spirit, love, and joy, and peace. It matters that we're in the middle of the conversations of our day. It matters. But I'm just gonna say it might matter more about who you are than what you say when you're in the middle of the conversation. Who cares if you have all the facts? If you don't taste like heaven, it don't matter. Don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. It's got to taste like heaven to matter. It's got to taste like the fruit of the Spirit to matter. We're not in a debate for who has the best points. We want heaven to invade earth, man. Our hope is Jesus getting bigger in us. And our hope is not in who gets elected president. Our hope is not in what the mayor says. Our hope is not in what, what, what's being blasted out. No, our hope is in Jesus. He's got to be our obsession. And as we engage in the culture, we're going to have what we need because he's with us. We're going to know what to say because he cares about this stuff. And he's going to speak to us. I assure you, he will give you the words if you're going to use them wisely. If you're going to demonstrate heaven as you say them. Look, I'm tired of watching Christian people act like unsaved people. I'm tired of it, man. We're wasting our voice. We're losing our voice, yelling at one another. Conforming to the world, we're losing our voice at a time when our city desperately needs our voice. 
when the church needs to be louder than ever, we're wasting it, we're losing our voice, yelling at one another. Let's not conform to the patterns of this world, but let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's pray. Jesus, would you come and would you overwhelm us with your power and your presence? Because the fruit of the Spirit being evidenced in our life is not us trying harder, it's receiving more. And so, Lord, right now, I'm just asking that you would pour over us with your grace and your goodness and you would give us what we need in the middle of the complexity that we find ourselves in. God, we just say, let us be a people that sound like heaven, that taste like heaven, that we would respond in love so that we wouldn't just add to the chaos and the clanging of culture. Lord, we believe that in you and through you is the hope of everything that we need right now. And so God, would you get bigger? Would your voice get louder? In Jesus' name, amen.